Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 197 of the DFO Rundown. It is trade deadline week. It is Monday morning. Trade deadline, of course, comes Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 Central, 1 Mountain, noon Pacific. Doesn't matter where you're listening. You'll know what time it is. And then, of course, you probably got an extra hour until all the trades uh, come in based on uh, previous years. So it'll be a busy week. Uh, Frank will be drinking a lot of coffee. Frank, how you doing? I'm good. Yeah. It's, uh, welcome to wildcard week. That's what I'm calling it. All the big names are off the board in terms of the rentals for the most part. And we'll dive into all the trades that took place over the weekend because there was no shortage of activity But before we do that, I need to tell you that Wild Card Week, as I'm calling it, is presented by Athletic Brewing. Just because Dry Jan is in the rearview mirror doesn't mean you can't keep the good times rolling. Join me and enjoy Athletic Brewing's award-winning lineup of craft, non-alcoholic beers. Trust me, these brews don't lack anything, and more importantly, they don't come with the hangover. Use promo code FRANK20 for 20% off your first purchase at athleticbrewing.ca until February 28th. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all face-offs, fit for all times. So, yes, let's get into it. Uh, There's quite a few deals this weekend. Um, You know, of course, the Orloff deal happened late last week. And then um, Timo Meyer being talked about for a while. The team that was probably the best fit for him based on uh, what they have was the New Jersey Devils. And the uh, the Devils went out. Lots of players involved in this trade, Frank. A lot of young guys and prospects and maybes. And uh, so that part added to it a lot. But ultimately, you know, it's Timo Meyer for a first and maybe and maybe another first, depending on uh, how the Devils do. And uh, you got to think a contract extension won't be too far behind. Yeah, I would think that that's sort of what they had in mind was let's get this guy here first off and then let's get the extension done. Um, what I love about this trade from a New Jersey perspective is they acquired Timo Meyer, who is a real difference maker, a 50 goal scorer, you know, most likely this year someone that is a pure shooter, a volume shooter, someone that you can plug into this lineup now and he brings something different. He's got heft, he's got thickness and size, and he just makes the Devils a more difficult team to play against. So they accomplish all of that by not also having to give up one of their top prospects. We wake up on Monday morning and Timo Myers, a New Jersey Devil, and Alexander Holtz has remained, Luke Hughes has remained, Simon Nemec on the back end. You could make the argument Casey is in that category as well. Another defenseman. They did, I think, exceptionally well with the package that they put together. And look, there's no two bones about it. This San Jose trade hinges on Shakir Mukamadoulin and what you think he is or isn't. That's the, that's the centerpiece of the trade for San Jose. It's not Fabian Zetterlund or, or any of the other, you know, sort of pieces that you can move around the chessboard in, when you look at this trade. Muka Madulin, some people think he's really good that I've talked to. Some people think he might not be. 
So there's an inherent risk here when you're taking on prospects. But when you look at the actual trade itself, a first round pick, which is going to be late this year based on New Jersey's performance, they're actually really not far behind Carolina. I put that in parentheses in the uh, Metropolitan Division. And two, um, you have a, it's a second round pick that could become a first. It's sort of misrepresented as a conditional first. Um, and so that's, that's the spot that they're in. Like a lot of things need to happen in order for this trade to look good for San Jose. And I'll be real curious when it's all said and done, Jason, as to what this will end up looking like compared to some of the other deals that were on the table, Carolina, there, it was first round pick, second round pick, top prospect. You know, some of the other teams that were in the mix, it's all going to come down to who is that prospect and what does he become. And that's what this hinges on for the Sharks with Muka Madulin. Yeah, you know, Mike Greer, as a, as a young GM, this was kind of his first one. Like you mentioned Zetterland, and he was drafted, I think, six years ago. Right. And he's, you know, he's played in New Jersey now. He was over in, the, in, you know, had a stint in the minors about a year and a half. I think he's got over just 100 games. Um, I'm with you. This is they're, they're, the amateur drafting of San Jose is going to have to make the picks count. And then, like, to me, I, I was shocked that they didn't get one of the top guys that you mentioned. Like, Timo Meyer, this is not a rental. This is a this is a guy that's likely going to sign a seven year eight year extension with your team. So well, either way, um, it's under team control with yes. the qualifying offer. So he has it one year at least as an RFA. Yeah. Here, here's where I think teams get themselves into trouble, Jason. And and I'm not saying that is the case necessarily with San Jose. They value quantity over quality. Yeah. And I think that's an enormous mistake to make. And when you look at how many pieces were involved in this? Like, like for what boil it down to its most simple form and get the best player you can get your hands on. Or in this case, the best prospect you can get your hands on. I'd give up the first round picks. If, if it meant I could get X player, for instance, mm-hmm. if you set your sights on one guy in particular, and you know what? I think we saw a recent example of this just over the weekend with the Barbashev trade going from St. Louis to Vegas. It's Barbashev for Zach Dean, who is a 2021 first round pick. Zach Dean played on Canada's world junior team. He's a diligent four checker, a guy who's a real player. And so instead of the St. Louis blues focusing on, Oh, well, we're going to you know win the PR battle and get a second round pick. They say, we'd much rather have a player that we have eyes on that we think can be something. And go for the player as opposed to the just getting the digits and the pick. You know, it's interesting when you look at quality uh, over quantity, uh, then we have to discuss the, uh, the Taylor, uh, sorry, the Tanner Janot trade that happened late last night. Tanner Janot, um, of course, uh, traded, you get young foot as the defense prospect. It was not that young anymore. And then five draft picks, including the second, third, and fourth this year, um, a second, and then there is a potential for a first down the road um, in three years from now. You look at, at that deal, Frank, essentially five picks for Tanner Janot, who, you know, Tanner Janot last year had an unreal rookie season. I'm not sure he's going to be a regular 24-goal scorer. In fact, I'd be a little surprised, but I think he can be a 15-18 type of guy, which is probably fine. He's big. He's one of the toughest guys in the league. He hits. He can kill penalties. He can do a lot for your team. And, and Tampa said, you know what? We'll give you a lot for this guy because uh, we feel it's almost like Tampa says, Frank, we're going to know exactly what our core is um, for the next five years, and we don't care about draft picks. 
I think it's actually more simplistic than than five years. If you really boil it down, I, I think Tampa is looking at a three-year window. And sure. so Victor Hedman's contract is up. Hedman's contract will be up, and Steven Stamkos' contract will be up. And my guess, if you're looking at this through the prism of Julian Brisebois, who, by the way, everyone's saying that he's lost his mind with this trade. I think there's enough of a track record to say, first off, this guy knows what he's looking at in terms of fits for his team. Go back to Coleman and Goodrow and Nick Paul and Brandon Hagel. That's four to go against one bad trade for Savard. They gave up massive futures in all of those trades. And remember the gasps? Like I, I was I was standing in the studio at TSN on trade deadline day when they traded that first round pick for Barkley Goodrow. And people's yeah. brains exploded. I talked to executives that were in team boardrooms saying we literally, our jaws were all on the floor. Cannot believe that someone gave up a first round pick for Barkley Goodrow. And then they they win the cup, and all of a sudden, those two curated selections look like genius moves. And he's followed those with other ones in Paul and Hagel, two guys that now have term and are under team control. I, I, I said this morning on Twitter, I, I'd be real surprised if they don't come to a long-term extension, six, seven years, somewhere between 12 and $20 million that signs Genoa up long-term and, and buys the very best years of a big, strong player. That, that is a four-checker, that kills penalties, that can do all sorts of different things for your team. Perfect. The picks? Okay, let me throw a stat at you. I had an NHL GM say this to me on Friday. Once you get past pick number 24 in the draft, you have a 2.4% chance of that pick playing 100 games or more in the NHL. 2.4%. So what are the odds that you think your team and your scouting staff can make a one in 50 pick? Yeah. Wow. That, that, that's a little misleading because if they're second rounders and there's, you know, second rounders still are at 14%, right. It drops no, off. I'm telling you what the entire, uh, yeah, yeah, the entire but, but, but you have five selections now to make a one in 50 pick. Uh, yeah, Tampa Bay is assuming that uh, in two more years they still won't be a uh, they'll still be a top eight team, which is a fair. But bet. They, they they lottery protected it anyway. That's yeah. why they did it because they're saying on the off chance that we're not any good by twenty twenty five, we're lottery protecting it. No, no, I meant they could they could lose in the first round of the playoffs, Frank, and then be like the twenty second pick is all I'm saying. So we would technically uh, fall in sure. the top twenty. Okay, so my point is, I think when we watch what Nashville did this weekend, beginning to tear it down, and huge news by the way with David Poyle choosing to retire, and we'll get into that in a second. But look at what Nashville's been through these last. S- This is six years now since they went to the Stanley Cup final. It has been a slow bleed to nothing. You kept all these players and you, you, you wallowed in mediocrity, missed the playoffs some years, made it as the eighth seed, got swept, have absolutely nothing to show for it. And my thought process with Tampa, going back to this window that they have, is if I'm reading Julian Brisebois correctly, it's let's do everything we can for this moment right now. And then as soon as that hits, 
We are going to offload every piece that we have and get back all of those picks and more. Get rid of Stamkos, get rid of Point. Sorry, not Stamkos because his contract expires. Point, Kucherov, Vasilevsky. Go go through the whole team, Sergachev, and get all your picks back. And the point is, when looking, comparing that to the Preds, take that and do everything you can to bottom out as quickly as you can rather than five or six years of, of a slow death. Yeah, I think it's easier for the teams that win to go like Chicago fans right now might be hating it, but they can always just close their eyes and be like, oh, I remember 10 and 13 and 15 and that will get them through the pain, right? Nashville doesn't have that. Lots of other teams don't. Like, but Doesn't um, that like, make it so much worse? Doesn't that make your six years slog to mediocrity that much less palatable? Well, no, it's fair, but the problem the is the second Nashville, you realize you can't do it is when is the second you should tear it down. I don't know if three years ago the Preds thought they couldn't do it, right? They have an elite goalie. They have an elite defenseman. They just didn't have elite forward. What what happened was they made bad bets on two guys who paid eight million bucks and they didn't compete. Those it that's what just, happened. It was more than that. Like that's not even including the awful contract to Kyle Turris and some other ones that they had. Yeah, like sure. there was there was some really bad decisions made. Well, I, I, I would argue all day long that most teams where they screw up is where you play long-term deals on big money to non-elite. Elite. And I use that word because I think great, you want to say everybody's great. Technically, you're right. If you're in the NHL, you're a great player because you're in the top 0.01%. But the fact is, in the NHL, there's elite players. And then we can, the history of teams that sign guys to seven, eight-year deals when they're 27 who have been 60 and 70-point players is mind-numbing to me. It happens all the time. And Nashville is a prime example of it. Ryan Johansson, basically a 60-point player. You mentioned Kyle Turris. He was near near the end of his. You know, even Matt Duchesne, how many years has it been? Now, I know Duchesne and them had that great one-off last year. But look at the term of his contract. How many years has he even given you face value for his deal? And that's what kills teams. Had they spent properly, I don't know if they would have been in nearly as bad a situation. Either way, the that's – like to bring it back to the Genoa trade, this is the whole point of Tampa is get in, maximize what you can do in this window, and then get to the bottom as fast as possible. No. And if that's your plan, makes a lot of sense to me. So if you're Ken Holland in Edmonton, because Oiler fans are losing their mind, because he's got he's at Connor McDavid is having right now, Frank. I think you could make a strong argument. I know that Steve Eiserman's 155 points. McDavid's slightly below that pace right now, but you can argue that only Lemieux and Gretzky have had seasons like this in the NHL ever. I would. And so I, here's another stat for you: McDavid has what 113 points. Yeah. That would have been enough to to win the Art Ross in 11 of the last 13 seasons. <laughs> Already. And there's still 20-some games to go. Yeah, 22 games left for Edmonton. Like, the, I, I, would say, I don't think there's any more pressure on any GM. And to me, I don't get upset if a guy hasn't made a trade because the deadline is Friday. But if Ken Holland doesn't make a significant move by Friday, Frank, to me it's a waste, an absolute waste of a season for the Edmonton Orders because the year that McDavid's having and the fact, Frank, since January 1st, with McDavid and Drysaddle on the bench, the Orders have outscored the opposition 30-15, to 15, five on five. So they've been pretty good. Um, but they can still be better. And, and I know that they, hey, when, when you make calls for Patrick Kane, and, and we'll talk about him in a second, and I, you've talked about it, Frank. Everybody thinks he's going to New York. They're just waiting on a deal. They've talked to er, about Eric Carlson. So at least they've looked at the big 
fish, but the fact is they've got to land somebody and it can't just be a third line penalty killing forward. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. That's not enough. Um, if I were, if I'm reading the market and I don't have any confirmation on this, so this is not me reporting it. If I'm looking at the market and the trade targets board, a new one's going to be posted here in the next few hours. If I had to guess the guy that the Oilers are in on now is, is Matias Ekholm. That would be my guess. Now more than Chikrin. I think so. I just think, especially on a cost basis, like it just makes sense. Uh, and look, I, I again, I, I'm not knocking Jacob Chickard. I think he has a very limited skill set. And you could make the same argument for Eckholm, but when no. you look at the premium to be paid for it, I know one's younger, one's more mobile, one's going to put up more points, but I, I think you have to look at what the Oilers actually need. And I don't Fair. think it's, I don't think yeah. it's a, all Jacob Chickern is, is a shot threat on the power play. Yeah. Well, they don't need that. They don't need any help on their power play. Where would they even put him on their power play on the second unit? Like, yes. honestly, where would you put him? Yeah. You wouldn't put him ahead of Barry. They like the right shot. And Barry's excellent as a power play guy. So you're going to give up two first round picks plus for that. Yeah. I just don't well, see it. Well, see, and that's the interesting thing, Frank, is how much is Arizona overvaluing Chicker? And this guy's been yes. on the on for years, and, and I still don't buy Frank for a second. Th- this Friday will be three weeks since he hasn't played a game. And he didn't practice for the first week. That I, week I think te- I think teams are actually looking at it sideways. Yes. Not just not just that, but the cost. Yeah. Like oh. look, if you were get if someone was gonna pay your price, they would have already paid it. It's been 15 months now. It's it's been longer than that. Yeah. 15 is not an exaggeration. If if that's your price and no one's paid it, you're valuing your player wrong. I would never tell anyone how to do business. Shoot for the moon. Go ahead. You should. But guess what? His value drops in a real significant way after this trade deadline. Especially yep. if the cap's going up. 100%. All of a sudden, one less playoff run with this player, uh, cap goes up, and, and the excess value that you think you have in that contract shrinks. And 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 not to mention, like no one's going to be held hostage anymore. Everyone's just going to say, you know what, we're moving on to the next thing. We're not playing this game and this dance with you again on Jacob Chikrin in June. We're not. No. Fair. Now, hey, quickly, we'll get to Kane in a second. But which, uh, which, which, by the way, that leads me to believe there's a 99% chance that they just cut their losses at some point, rip the Band-Aid off, and, and trade him for whatever they can get for him. By I five. think it's an absolute mistake to, to have Jacob Chikrin be part of that. You, how do you put that back? How do you put that yeah. genie back in the bottle now? Sat yeah. for three weeks, and then what? He's just going to come back and start playing games again for your team after he already won it out? How's that going to work? Yeah. Well, I, I think teams are, I think Arizona has misplayed this and uh, other teams might end up getting him for uh, a lot less than what they originally were hoping for in Arizona. I think what you end up happening, what ends up happening is teams say, well, we like the player, but for this compared to what we can spend for Matias Ekholm, we'll, we'll go do that for this. What we can spend for Jake McCabe, we'll go do that. You end up with a market that, that gets created off of that one player that they say, we're just going to do something else. Speaking of Ekholm, what do you think it's going to cost? And is, would Nashville be retaining any salary in that deal? 
got three years left. I don't think so because of the the years that he has left. I think you you don't want to be in a spot where you retain for that long. It's possible. Um, But my guess would be here. Here's the real danger in Nashville keeping him. Let's say you keep him and you don't trade him this summer and you start next season and his play slides. All of a sudden, a player that has value today for a team that is obviously going in another direction, I'd imagine that Mikael Granlin, for instance, will, will be available between now and Friday, and Dante Fabro and some others, that when you keep him too long with that term at that age with his style of play where you know it seems like guys that play the way he do, does, their bodies break down sooner than others, you end up being in a spot where ultimately you might have to pay to get, get off of him. And I don't think you want to be in that spot. So I think you do what you can now to, to move on. And, and whether that's – well, I had this debate with someone on the phone this morning. Is it a first or is it a second? Well, that's the challenge, Frank, is when you look at all the big names that are being traded, it's all salary retention, right? If Ekholm's getting traded, that's $6.25 million. There's Teams just don't have that room. So I, I think he's really hard to trade because um, there's there's not – some teams, if they want to get rid of $6 million on their, on their cap to make it work that, you know, you're probably giving away some tangible, decent player. Yeah. And and what is that? Yeah. So that's the tough one for Nashville. I, I don't know if like Nashville ain't getting a haul for echo like they did for, you simply based on age and contract. I agree. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Kane. What's the latest on Kane? Well, I think everyone can see where this is going. It doesn't take a uh, a rocket scientist and or a uh, Miss Cleo to do this. Um, I believe, and I think many others believe around the league, that the Rangers and Blackhawks have some kind of framework, some kind of, uh, or frameworks, I should say, uh, in place to move Kane to New York Showtime starring on Broadway whenever the Rangers have the requisite cap space. Is it Wednesday with the moves that they need to make? Is it Thursday? Now potentially another wrinkle with uh, Ke'Andre Miller likely facing a suspension for spitting on Drew Doughty. Is it Friday? Does it take an extra day or two to accrue uh, to the point where the Rangers can then process the trade the capologist would say it's somewhere between Wednesday and Thursday, but here's the point. I don't think the date matters. I think everyone believes that Patrick Kane has agreed to waive his no trade to go to New York and that that's where he'll, he'll land when it's all said and done. So ultimately he chose there. Dallas and Edmonton were two teams expressing interest, but uh, Kane, that's the advantage. You play that long, you get the no move. And I think at the end of the day, what matters is – Kane, Tarasenko, Panarin, Zabanajad, Kreider. What a crew going head-to-head in the first round. The Hudson River rivalry now with Timo Meyer and the New Jersey Devils in round one. Like That is going to be a bananas series. Hey, buddy, don't look now. New Jersey's only three points back of Carolina. I just said that. Yeah, so that might not be... Uh... But it seems like that's going to be the Carolina has had no blips this year. Like they, they have not had any sort of extended skid that I don't imagine will crop up. And by the way, what, what is Carolina going to do this week? That's why I called this wild card week. Cause you know, 
for all intents and purposes, Kane's off the board, Myers off the board, Barbashev, go go through all these players that have been traded, Horvat, all of the big boy rentals are gone. Yeah. Now so I, I call it wild card week because this is when I think teams like Carolina, like others, start to get creative and say, I could just trade for a let's make an actual hockey trade. I can trade for a player with term and I don't need to look at a rental and I can get the type of fit that I'm looking for to make my team better and not have to worry about giving up futures. Now, the last time we saw like a superstar big name and even Jerome McGinley, I'm not sure had the same. Well, he didn't have the same resume at the time of Patrick Kane. And it was uh, Ben Hanowski, Kenny Augustino and a, a late first rounder, which turned into Morgan Klimchuk. And uh, Flames fans would tell you that really it turned out to be nothing for them. So Chicago fans, that might be you have to uh, expect something like that. Um, when a player has all the cards, I, I don't see he's not getting a Timo Meyer like return Um what about uh, Gavrikov? What are you hearing on him? He's also sat out seven games for Columbus. We've never seen this before, and I honestly, I don't think we should see it again. I don't, I don't, I actually think this devalues the players a bit. You know, you're talking by the time the guy gets traded, he'll be sitting out three weeks and rested, and then it's like, hey, let's bring him in here to get up to speed. It's hard enough getting traded to a new market. You heard Dmitry Orlov talk about how it was odd for him in that first game in Boston, and it will be for a while. Um, you know, Gavrikov to me is. I think Columbus is another team that I'm not sure they'll get their ask. I, I, I look, I've been saying this since the second, his name was out there. I, and I said it from the second in November when I put together my first, you can go back and click the link. You can read it. I said, the blue jackets will be asking for what they traded Savard for. And then when I did my individual player profile, the headline on the story for Gavrikov was, which team is going to overpay to get him? Yeah. And I think everyone's sort of seen it the same way. Like, there's a reason why a GM that I talk to calls Yarmo Kekalainen the dentist. He just drills on you until he gets what he wants. <laughs> as much as he's going to try, first off, I don't know how big the market is how many teams are really looking for that type of player? And second, how many teams are really willing to pay that type of price when you could pay a similar or less price and get a player that has term? Like, look at look at uh, Jake McCabe in, in Chicago. Yeah. If Chicago retains half, which we expect them to do, two years at $2 million, good luck making the argument to me that someone should pay more for Gavrikov as a rental than McCabe for two years at 2 million. It makes or, or, zero or sense. And, and, and I don't even think he's any, I don't think Gavrikov's any better. No, that's, I'm not sure Chikrin's infinitely better when you consider that it's two mil to 4.6. McCabe might be the best deal going. That That's my point. So Columbus is, they might have to readjust. Oh yeah. Yeah, I love that you mentioned Carolina because they're a team that um, I, I got to think they want to add something uh, at some point here. They got a really deep team, but you look at the East, man. Like it's funny how all the big moves thus far, other than Barbashev, have been to the East. And I, you know, Barbashev's a good player, but no offense, he, he's not in the category of some of those other guys that, that were traded at this point. And man, the East is just going to beat the hell out of each other. And the, um, like I'm sure the West GMs will see some moves this week. Uh, you know, we mentioned Edmonton. I think the LA Kings are, are in the market to want to do something. Uh, Vegas, when they added Barbashev, I think that signaled they were out on Meyer, but I don't think they're done. 
I still think Vegas is going to uh, is going to want to make an acquisition here, especially so, with Stone. They got this cap space, right? Like they can go out and make a move. Yeah, it's and it's like I said, it's use or lose. I think in a perfect world, Vegas doesn't add someone with term, and it's purely a rental. But I don't know where they go from here once Myers off the board. Um, I'll give you a name for Carolina that I believe they've checked in on on recent days, and someone that's going to be in the top ten of my new targets board. Kevin Hayes from the Flyers. Uh, I think there's a sense that the Flyers have a willingness to retain salary, and that's a pretty significant development given that he has three years left on his deal. So I think the, the, the Canes are one of the teams, I think there's been four or five, that in the last 24 to 48 hours, I think things have picked up a little bit on Kevin Hayes. What about Van Riemsdyk in Philly? He's another guy that I think there's actually been pretty significant interest in, especially as people look for goals. You know, net front presence, takes care of himself, never been fast. And, you know, when you you look through the cap machinations at $7 million bucks, there's going to need to be some gymnastics there. But I, I think the Flyers are looking – I think they can get somewhere in the second-round pick range for him. And uh, Frank, one team that we have, we've talked so much about the playoff race in East, one team that we haven't focused on, but they're going the wrong direction right now. The Winnipeg Jets. Winnipeg Jets now are in a wild card place. Uh, Colorado's caught them. Minnesota has passed them. Granted, they're all separated by a point. What do you think they, what does Kevin Sheveldayoff got to do? I know he just added Nita Ryder, but. uh, I like that trade, by the way. Oh yeah, second rounder all day long for that trade. But they got to do something else. Like they, they just look out of sorts right now. Yeah, and I don't know what the answer is. You you listen to Rick Bonus in his post game press conferences, and he just he continues to speak about the lack of emotion and passion that they're playing with. And Friday night was just it was ugly. Like it was like guys running into each other. The team looked like a mess. And I don't know what the answer to that is for a team that, for the most part this year, has has really been pretty consistent. I think part of it is that. Connor Hellebuck has really covered up a lot of issues there. Like he's really papered over a lot and not to say that there's significant ones, but when you have a guy that's nine twenty three all season long, a night that he lets in five against Colorado, like that's going to like, that stands out. Right. Yeah. Well, I look at the jets and I really, I look at Colorado and Dallas, that central division, like the Pacific and the central, the races are great all across the board up and down to see who's going to get in. And Colorado's doing what we all thought they'd do. They found their game. Uh, they're going to finish first in that division. I'm convinced of that. Um, I'm curious to see what they do, but also the Dallas stars, like the so Dallas Colorado, stars. I think is another team that's checked in on Kevin Hayes. So if Philly's retaining, are you saying they're going to retain like two mil out of five? Out of seven? Yeah, something like that, five? two or three, yeah. something like that. Three would be unreal, but um, but then all of a sudden you can see the fit for Colorado. Like, you, oh if, yeah, if he's at four and a half for the next three years, like that's a bet maybe that Colorado is willing to make. Mm-hmm. Oh, wholeheartedly. And Landeskog. Well, here's the big question. That's the question: is what are they going to do with Landeskog in the LTIR space? Yes. If they're not gonna, if they don't think he's coming back to the playoffs, and they they use that money, that really gives them a huge leg up and not having to trade anyone from their roster. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's the key. Is where's Landeskog at? What are you hearing? 
I, I, I don't have a real good read of it. He obviously started skating again in the last few days. I saw some video uh, when I was watching the Avs game the other day. It looks like he's in the very early stages of coming back. And it's such a significant injury that, look, March 1st is on Wednesday. The regular season, there's only six weeks left. So would it be out of the norm for a player to just start skating and take six weeks to come back from that major of an injury? Not, it doesn't sound out of the norm to me, but what can really, what can, what are the records, the medical records say for Colorado to dictate that? Cause that's what it comes down to. The league checks into these scenarios every year of a team that anyone that's on LTIR around this time of year, they, they basically give you a determination now, like, yes, this will fly or no, it won't. And they probably have some kind of answer. And I don't know what that is. Yeah. Well, that, that's obviously the wild card uh, in that one for certain. Um, the uh, Now, what were you just drinking a Buffalo Sabres mug? <laughs> I have a, a coffee in here. I was in Buffalo last, was it last week, 10 days ago? Last weekend, and they had a, a Tim Hortons there, obviously Tim Horton playing for the Sabres, uh, right at the base of their uh, Harbor Center complex there. And so they have a special Sabres Tim Hortons uh, cup. And so you got you to buy that. I mean, you're uh, the number one, you're the president of the Tage Thompson. Well, I'm surprised. Yeah. Like, why didn't you buy one for me and mail it to me? Come on. Go I, with my... I should have. Sabres are, hey, Sabres in the wings, man. Those are two teams, Frank, before I get to Tyler Ramchuk. The Sabres in the wings, they put themselves like they're legit in the mix. Like not a, not a fairy tale, not a, oh, they got to win this. No, no, no. You look at them points percentage wise, they're both. They're sitting there. Uh, Buffalo would actually be in a playoff spot, and uh, Detroit is just like you know one point out of it. They've got uh, games in hand, you know, on uh, on Pittsburgh. Only one game. They're right in there. Yeah, the two the two wild card teams this morning as points percentage are Buffalo in the seven spot and Pittsburgh in the eight spot, followed by closely by Detroit in the nine spot. Yeah, and then the Islanders are tenth, uh, although the Islanders have the most points. If you're if you're the GM in Buffalo and Detroit, and you know you, you've had long runs here without anything, do you try to add a little bit just to see if you can push your team over the edge? I would because I don't, especially if you get someone with term. I don't think there's any harm in it. Um, you've got tons of cap space. No one's saying go crazy with your futures or anything like that, but. I think part of the allure in Buffalo is that they've done this all themselves with the group that they have. And I think that there is a real push to kind of continue to try and do that with just what they have. Yeah. And, and the thing is the Sabres, maybe even more than Detroit, the Sabres have three second rounders this coming draft, Frank move one of them to get a player I, I don't think that that's, you know, you're still able to draft lots. If you still feel that, you know what, we, we need a few more picks coming in the future. You don't sacrifice anything. I think if you're the Sabres, I'll be stunned if they don't uh, move one of those seconds for a player. It, it makes sense. Like I, I could totally see it. I, I haven't heard anyone talking about the Sabres, you know, behind closed doors. I, no one's been saying, Oh, Buffalo has been really active. Is it possible that they are? Sure. Um, I don't have any eyes or ears on that. And Detroit is in a really interesting spot because, like, wouldn't you move Jacob Verana if you have enough interest? Oh, I think so, yeah. But, I mean, look, yeah. you, you could make the argument, we're in this spot and this guy's played three games all year, four games. Like, 
you don't need him to get in. And you could get something for him. Four games he's played. Uh, or they could look and say, you know what, now that he's got uh, hopefully everything in order, he's like a trade deadline acquisition for us. I don't, don't, I don't think any. they're looking at him that way. Yeah, No, no, but I'm just saying. Because, man, if you look at Verona's last games in the National Hockey League, Frank, and his, like if you count his last 41 NHL games, he has 22 goals and 34 points. Like, that's pretty good production. He, he's an elite goal scorer. Like, they're really it. Like, he, there's no two bones about that. He goals per 60 at even strength over the last three seasons. He's fourth in the league. Yeah, he hasn't played more a than, lot, so. More than yeah. Ovechkin. Yeah, yeah. well, that's why hey, it's always easier to, to maintain it at a shorter period of time. But the fact is, it's, it's last not the period games, of time. It's the minutes played. That's the issue. Yeah, that's what I mean. Goals relative to minutes played. Yeah, but it's like anything. Maintaining a points per game over 30 games is easier than 80 games is all I'm saying. Right. Okay. We have tons of guys at the start of the year in the first 30 games are on pace for hundred points. And then at the end of the year, there's maybe seven or eight. Yeah. And it's just harder. It, but yeah. So, but Verana could be looked at if you're Detroit, you know, they would know his health situation. They would see where he's at. And they say, wow, this guy comes in like, look at him last year when he came to Detroit. It's a span of goals. 231 games. Yeah. I mean, that's for not, him. Uh, yes. We're talking since 2018, 19. Oh, okay, I thought you said the last four years where I hadn't played at all, but four years, two hundred and thirty-one games played. So that that's the stat. He's got twenty-four, twenty-five, nineteen, and thirteen. Thirteen and twenty-six games. Oh yeah, no, he can. That's why I'm saying. So, but wouldn't you move him if you're Detroit? Say, hey, we could get some. Like, what if you take whatever you get from Verona and then go spend it? It's like you didn't spend anything at all. For a guy that you're already not playing, but why? But why wouldn't you just play him now if he if he's if because they don't himself? want him. They do oh, not okay. want him. He's not going to be part of their team moving forward. All right. Well, he's an intriguing with five point two five though, right? Like if you're trading him, you're probably trading him for for players. You're going to have to retain because everyone knows that you're going to buy him out this summer. So yeah, hmm. turns twenty seven tomorrow. Interesting name to uh, to get on the list. Let's uh, bring in Ty Uremchuk. Ty, how you doing? I'm doing great, gentlemen. It was a wild weekend, and as someone who uh, who's hosting a four hour live show on Friday with no commercial breaks, I'm a little bit worried. Frank, am I right to be? Don't worried? Don't be worried. Nah, we'll we'll, we'll be good. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, but if you're listening to this and you want to watch, again, four-hour live stream, there's going to be no commercials, there's no geo-blocking or anything like that because we are live on the Daily Face-Off YouTube. Head over and subscribe to the YouTube a little bit early here and uh, check out some of the content we've been putting out there, including this podcast. Uh, let's get into this week's Buy or Sell. First one I got for you guys, and I actually have five here in total. Considering the moves that have already been made, Blank is the general manager who is facing the most pressure to make a move in the next five days. Frank? Hmm. Hard to argue against Ken Holland, but I would say given the other moves that have been made in the East... Toronto's made one, but they still have at least one to go. So I would say Toronto, I would say Carolina, and hmm. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at those two. No, it's Ken Holland for me all day. Ken Holland and Don Waddell. Those are the two for me. Fair enough. The Nashville Predators made the big splash, got the big haul for Tanner Janot. The Preds will make blank more moves before deadline day, Jason. Um, I understand that they want to trade Echo. Man, the cap situation, that one's going to be a tough one because unless they're retaining salary, and if they retain salary, just like Frank alluded to earlier on the Cabe, man, you retain salary on Echo, he becomes infinitely more uh, more attractive to you. But I will say one. I think they moved Dante Fabro. I would set the over-under at two and a half. I would say Fabro, Granlund, and Eckholm. Interesting. I think Frank, there's been pre- I think there's been real interest in Granlund. Frank Saravalli applying for a job with Points Bet Canada, setting a sharp it's got line. Two years left at five mil. Whew, that'll be interesting. The guy's a player, man. He yeah. contributes to so many different parts of your team, and he still puts up points. Like he had sixty four last year. He's already got thirty six this year. Thirty six in fifty seven. So he is on pace to finish with 48, 52 points at 5 million bucks. And someone that kills penalties and has a pain in the ass to play against and relentless four checker. I would say two more years at five schmill. You could sign me up for that. One deal that went down this weekend that you guys haven't talked about yet. Zach Dean for Ivan Barbashev. We did talk about that. He didn't go super in depth. Yep. Oh, you did. Yeah, yeah, I said it, I thought it was a good deal for uh, St. Louis getting a player that they know instead of a second round pick. Well, when I knew you there get was to a spot where it's a round that you don't want to get to. Get the player you like instead. Well, I knew I missed exactly one topic while I ran to go get my coffee, so it was the Ivan Barbashev. I thought you normally cook eggs during the show. Uh, no, we started early today, so you know breakfast isn't until a little bit later for me. But I will be mm. firing up the the eggs, the egg pan in a little you, bit. Uh, well, so Jay, do you Jay, do you know one of my favorite little known facts about Tyler is his drunk food of choice is he comes home and he cooks frozen vegetables. Oh, it is unbelievable. What? So you know, like the bag of like it's beans and Mixed carrots, veggies. and yeah. So I'll just throw that in the pan with a ton of butter when I get home and I'm like a little drunk. It's an unbelievable snack. Such a weird flex. <laughs> a little drunk, <laughs> gotta be well. Good for you, man. It's uh, anytime it. he posts on his Instagram, it's like if you know, you know. It's like just like a a photo of like veggies in a pan sauteing wow. and butter. Good for, He's good like, if you know, you know. I'm like, oh, Tyler was whacked again. When, I'm, when I'm buckled, I don't think I ever make anything. I either pick it up at the fast food uh, place or now I just don't eat it, like a donair or something. I can't. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever cooked anything when I'm drunk, drunk at three, pizza? two in the oh. morning. Well, yeah, you heat that up, sure, but I've never made Shoot anything. Into my good brain. on you, Ty. Good on you for not burning yourself either. That's yeah. why he's a skinny prick. Takes a delicate balance. Uh, okay, I'll skip ahead to my fourth one here. Uh, Keandre Miller spitting on Drew Doughty was blank. Jason? That's gross. Now, he said it was an accident. I watched the video, man. Like, Doughty's right there. Like, he's right in front of you. So even if you're not spitting at him, you're spitting with people in your close vicinity. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. It's not. And Deandre Miller has nothing. He's got no reputation of being a bad guy. Bad decision. Maybe didn't mean to spit on Doughty, but... Who you like when when there's two guys in front of you, and you're spitting, the odds of you hitting someone 
are a lot higher than if there's nobody in front of you. I get it. So, um, I know he's going to get suspended. I don't see how he can. He got assessed the match penalty. He can say it was an accident or not. And I know he's, you know, good for him. He, he talked to Dowdy about it and, you know, maybe he did, but to say you didn't mean to spit on him, fine, but you still spat when someone was right there. Like it's hard to defend. Ah, He said spat. I love it. Uh, One word to describe this incident. Unnecessary. I think it's a good one. It's almost like, you know, when you high stick a guy and you're like, ah, it wasn't on purpose, but you're still responsible for where your stick goes, right? You're responsible for where your spit goes, I guess, in this incident. Uh, I would say, like, we've all been there at some point or another in our lives where you spit and something unexpected happens and you just, someone skates into it or walks into it or whatever it is that you're like, oh, my God, I did not mean that. I'm look like like you, Jay. I looked at the video and I was like, eh. like there's a pretty high probability that it was going to hit someone, given where he was standing and who was in front of him. That it was like, eh, not really a great look. No, no. Like, how many times have you spat though in the wind and it hits you back in the face? That's probably happened a few times. Back people, gets on the chest. Yeah, when I was a kid, once and never yeah. again, because you learn pretty. <laughs> hey, it's a tough lesson to learn, but I'm just saying we've all done that at least once. Usually, you think the wind's not that strong. <laughs> The yeah. drive-by spitting in your own face. Jay, uh, Jay gets a self-facial. I love it. Uh, points bet Canada. Back and to the left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the old Seinfeld bit. Um, all right, points bet Canada bonus question. I'm going to ask you guys a little bit about the Metro division. The Stanley Cup odds for the three teams there. Carolina is seven to one. New Jersey is eleven to one. The Rangers are twelve to one. So the books are saying it's Carolina, then Jersey then the Rangers, how would you rank them, Frank? Carolina, Rangers, De- Jersey. Okay, so I, like, I'm sorry. Two. I don't care. Like, as good as the Devils look, and frankly will look for a long time now, especially with the pieces that they hung on to, I'm sorry, but Shesterkin gets the edge over um, Vitek Vanacek every day of the week. Yeah, 100%. And then throw in... Um, now I don't know if those odds were, were before or after the Meyer trade, but, uh, New York's going to add Kane. We all know it. It's just a matter of when they add him this week. Yeah. That's a pretty big addition, man. So uh, I, I'm agreeing. I think the, uh, the rain and I might depends on what Carolina does. If Carolina doesn't add a legit but forward, I'd still take the Rangers because I'll take Shesterkin over Carolina's goaltending and I'll take New York's top six. Don't, don't rob us of the first round Hudson river rivalry. That no, be, I so I, no, I know, but like, nah. we don't need that kind of juju out there. Like, no, let us. No, I, meant to, I meant to take them like they would beat them in the second round. This could potentially be one of the best first rounds ever. If we have Rangers, Devils, Leafs, Lightning, and then whatever happens in the West, I think is going to be good. Yeah. It could be mass carnage in the first round. Our friends give, are, give, give me L.A. Edmonton again, by the way. That'd be a really good series. If L.A. is healthy and now that they've added a couple pieces like Fiala, that'd be something. Uh, I just noticed this actually up at Points Fit Canada. They didn't have it last night when I looked. They got updated odds on teams to make or miss the playoffs. So let me rattle off a few to you guys. Buffalo plus 105 to get in. Detroit plus 350. Florida plus 135. The Islanders are also plus 135. The Sabres are, or sorry, the Senators are plus 1,000. So 10 to 1 to make the playoffs. Any one of those jump out to you guys? They're all plus money. 
Yeah, I would take the Florida no bet. Minus 170. That seems very reasonable to me. And I would take, like, Buffalo is not juicy enough to me to warrant the 105. Like, I think they're in good shape, but if I was to go with any of the pluses, it would be Detroit at plus three, what was it? 350. 350. Like, that That to me would be the, the gamble to make. That'd be an interesting one. Oh, Detroit, I think, for sure, right? Um you wonder, is it sustainable? They went on their heater, and is it sustainable? But th- that'd probably be the, uh, you know, that's the longer odds. It's like three times higher almost in Florida. So, yeah, I would uh, I would lean on that, but I, I don't think either. None of them are getting in, so that's the, uh, except the so Sabres. I'm t- just, I would bet on the Sabres. Just according to Money Puck, they've got, and I don't think Money Puck has the best system or, or way they work through the, the odds, but they've got Buffalo at 51.7% and Detroit at 10. So plus 105 to get 51.7% is not enough to me. It's a little value, but yeah, you're right. It's not like a crazy value play at all. They have Florida at 30%, by the way. So yeah, minus 170, that starts to make Yeah, best value is, value is only good if it wins, so... Who do I think has the better chance? Buffalo. So even if I make less, I still make something. So let's let's just just for fun, let's just look at hockey viz, which their statistical model is, I think, far superior. They've got Buffalo at 36%, which is way lower. Detroit at 20, Florida at 20. They're saying the eight playoff teams are going to be Carolina, New Jersey, New York, Boston, Toronto, Tampa, Pittsburgh. And the Islanders and Sabres are almost in a dead heat, 41 and a half and 36. Yeah. So over the last two weeks, Washington's playoff odds have gone from 57% down to 12. Hmm. Calgary's have gone from 63 to 40. Hmm. And oddly enough, I don't know that this – this doesn't include the, the trades that happened over the weekend, but they have Nashville at 47.2%. What? So, so the statistical model likes Nashville better than the standings. Dude. Must be something about Soros. All right, I wonder if he Maybe. skews him being that good, skews the number. And wow. Seattle's, Seattle's odds have also cratered. They went from 91 down to 75. Plus 410 to miss the playoffs on points bet. Yeah. Well, Seattle's another team that might have to make a move here. Like, eventually you thought that, like, the second year would kick in for them. Well, I just thought the shooting percentage would kick in for them. Yeah. When you have four or five guys out north of 20% shooting, that's bound to change. Yeah. Fair. All right, that is a wrap on this week's edition of Fill in the Blank, brought to you by our friends at Points Bet Canada. All the latest odds on not just the NHL, but the NBA and some preseason Major League Baseball as well with spring training firing up. They got it all. PointsBetCanada.ca Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
Let me tell you something. If you bet on spring training baseball, I've got a number for you. It's 1-800-GAMBLER. Seek help. Hey, we haven't talked about him, Frank. They, they've taken on salary cap space in two trades recently, and all they do is keep winning. They still have cap space. The Minnesota Wild, very quietly, now they're in second place. You know, they jumped ahead of uh, Winnipeg even. Like Colorado's obviously going to pass them. But Bill Guerin and what they're doing with all that cap space, Frank, like Bill Guerin, he, he made some trades to, to eat some cap space, to get some picks. I got to think he's going to make a move here. As you've talked a lot about, don't waste this space. They clearly don't want to waste it because they're accruing cap space. They'll take on cap space and trades. I got to think he's got to make a move here. They just continue to play well, despite basically having like $18 million less in in, uh, spent money than the other top teams. Yeah. I think the problem though is they're maxed out almost already for what they can spend next year. So they can't really take on anyone that has any term. Yeah, that's fine. Unless, and I think that there's a good possibility or probability that they get someone to take Greenway. And I don't know what they can get in return. I think he's a pure reclamation project at this point. Two goals, four assists, six points, two more years at three million bucks. If this guy was five foot ten, we'd be talking about the Minnesota Wild having to pay to move him. But because he's six foot six, teams are they're interested. So I don't know what ends up happening there, but that is one avenue to clear some space for next year, 3 million bucks. They might wait until the summer to do it, but I would think that's one way to maybe give you some flexibility to trade for someone that has term. Otherwise they're kind of only looking at rentals. Yeah. But I just think they like, I got to think they're going to do something in the way I, I would be surprised if they don't. Yeah, I would agree, but I think the other caveat, too, is they don't want to trade a lot of their picks and prospects because of the cap situation that they're in. If they can get a first-rounder, and I don't know where they're going to finish or where they, you know, playoff-wise, but let's say they're picking in the 18 range, there's a chance that two years from now, three years from now, that player is playing for them on an entry-level deal that is going to be highly valuable to them with their Suter and Parise buyouts that they have to keep their picks and prospects if they can. Oh, yeah. Hey, I, I'm not saying they give up a first, but uh, there, there's lots of good players can be had. We mentioned, you know, Niederreiter for second like, round. Uh, well, like, uh, Jay, like, here's another example. Well, Niederreiter had a term. Van Riemsdyk would be a great one. Like, I think players like that, especially that have a higher cap hit where you don't have to trade another pick somewhere else to get them to move money because you can take the whole thing that becomes really valuable in terms of a way to weaponize your cap space. hundred percent. So uh, I look at the wild. I, I give him a lot of credit, man. Uh, Bill Guerin and the, the whole organization, uh, they're, they're in a cap hell and they've managed to, uh, you know, to stay, he's, stay relatively. He's got balls the size of a dump truck. Like he does. Like when you, when you're able to pull off those buyouts and you say, you know what, we're making our team better by getting rid of those guys addition by subtraction and you don't care what the consequences are and guess what? And your team is still going to make the playoffs in those years that you've had cap hell with $14 million. Like think about what they're doing in a frozen cap world, icing essentially a a sub $68 million team and still getting in. um, That's pretty impressive. So imagine when those buyouts are gone, how much better that team's going to be on the other end of it. And the other thing about Bill Guerin, he, he talked to his players and told them, hey, if any of you, I don't want to hear about your agent saying you want to trade. If you want to trade, you come talk to me directly, and then we'll work it out. 
He doesn't want anything out there public. He's like, hey, let's talk face-to-face. So uh, Bill Guerin's an old-school straight shooter. Uh, I love it. And the, and the wild players, I all seem to respect him and what's going on in Minnesota. They play hard. They play hard. And as you mentioned, it's not only the 68, Frank. They were, what, 62, really, because they had $6 million cap space most of the year after yeah. all the buy- dead cap space. So it's yep. been impressive. Frank, have a great week, and uh, we will talk to you on the eve of uh, the trade deadline, or as you like to call it, wild card week. Buckle up. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.